Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 116. How are you girls doing? Where are your hosts? I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hello, everyone. How are you guys doing? Hello. I was just telling Kristen about how I think I'm experiencing side effects of the vaccine, and it is extreme fucking sleepiness. I went from, as Kristen said, insomniac to narcoleptic in like two days. (laughs) I swear to God, I've been falling. I've been asleep more than I've been awake for like the past three days. That's crazy. Did you get your second shot? I got it um, on the 15th. Wow, that's a, been a while then. Yeah. Like, but I can't, like, I can't think of anything else. Like, I haven't changed anything. And I'm just all like, like this, like, it, and I looked them up and there were some people saying like, you know, like, yeah, like, oh yeah, like I felt like something like a week after my shot. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, damn, shit. Yeah, I've okay. seen that too, that mm-hmm. the effects and So I guess I'm while. just one of those people. And I mean, I guess I'm grateful that it's me being super, super sleepy and fatigued than anything else. But like, yeah, and it's like, I'm, I'm like, I, is this, I like, after I fell asleep, like the second time in a row, I was just like, all right, this isn't normal because I don't fall asleep. So <laughs> I, that's when I looked it up and I was just like, well, like, I guess this must be it. It's the only explanation I can think of. Mm. That's nuts, man. That's wow. But you know, now that you mention it, I have been taking more naps on the weekends which never used to happen so i don't know maybe there's something to that mm-hmm. that's crazy i um i actually i noticed these little wounds on the top of the paws of taffy oh, and yeah. so and so we cleaned it up and then we let you know we just left it alone but um then i guess at night she starts like licking it uh-huh. and so it got really red and and almost bloody and she so needs now, a cone of shame he she has a cone of shame i kept it it from her last appointment to the vet so i call the cone of solitude so um so we've been pampering her we bring her her water to her for her to take a little sip we give her her little snacks in her little snout uh but um yeah she looks really sad she just looks at you with those eyes like take this shit off of me yeah please but uh we did wrap uh, her little paws and it started spreading on the other one so we're gonna wait two days to see if it gets better if not we're gonna have to take her to the vet but yeah i think if we keep the cone because uh, then we feel bad because she'll like whine a little bit and then we're like okay let's take it off for a little bit then we hear licking and it's like nope it's coming back on put chili on it oh no <laughs> i was i heard her whine while we were trying to like clean it up and i was like stop it just stop <laughs> It just is so I can't hear it. Yeah. But yeah. So I'm kind of glad I don't have children except for Taffy because uh, yeah. uh, uh, my tolerance for their like their in- discomfort is not very high at all. <laughs> so, so yeah, to all those pet lovers out there. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's crazy. It's crazy life. Because then they start making these weird sounds and you're like, oh, my God, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Just tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Why can't you just tell me? But yeah, that's that's what I would been dealing with this weekend. What about you, Kristen? What's up with you? 
Ah, uh, well, sometimes with pets, they can't tell you. And sometimes humans can tell you, and it really sucks just as bad as when they can't. So this week has been really tough for me. Um, for those of you who have been listeners in the past, you know that I have had some family uh, drama with my brother in the past. And we had another incident this week where we actually had to call uh, 911 to do a, um, a safety check on him. And uh, that's just really hard for me because I'm so far uh, and he lives in another state. And I um, shared last time that he blocked me on the phone. So I couldn't even contact him uh, through the phone uh, and he wouldn't answer my Facebook uh, calls. And so that was really hard. It's been a really tough week for me. Um, thankfully, my husband, Eddie, was able to get through to him and basically beg him to call me. And he did. Um, but the actual call was super, super tough to hear and listen because he's in a place where he just does not want to live. Um, mm -hmm. And so as part of my sharing, I want to also let you all know that um, if you ever feel like that, definitely reach out to somebody, reach out to um, friends or family or even people you don't know. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. And there's always somebody uh, for you to talk to. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks so much for sharing that. Um, I think yeah, also and being open about it. Yeah, because, I mean, it's really tough. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I heard somewhere that May is also Mental Health Month, I believe. Oh, really? I okay. think. I'm not too sure. Yes, um, actually, I've been seeing a lot of things about, I don't know that it was a month, but there was a day where there was like mental health, like mm -hmm. awareness or something or like acceptance or something like that. The other day I saw that Oprah and Prince Henry were doing something around it. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was like a week ago yeah I want to say yeah or maybe not who knows yes because mm -hmm. uh famously his wife uh, uh admitted mm -hmm. that she also was having um suicidal thoughts when all the craziness was going down uh when she was living in the royal family her their story is really crazy like you grow up uh, with this fantasy of wanting to be a princess and then to actually hear the behind the scenes of how like unprincessy it is. <laughs> yeah, and like yeah. even the, the smallest things like just being under a microscope the entire time and also like being criticized for something as simple as not crossing your feet to the right or the left. I don't know, some shit like that. I mean, like it's petty little things like that yeah. that'll just like eat away at your soul. Mm. And I'm so glad I'm not a princess at all because I like my beer <laughs> and I like to burp <laughs> sometimes and I like to overeat. So, but yeah, actually May is National Mental Health Month is what I just read. It so, is. Yeah. Oh, so. well, isn't my brother timely and... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and, and what do you call it he's relevant <laughs> no but seriously thank you for providing that number a lot of people might need that I mean um just I think it was Wednesday or Thursday I like really had a breakdown and I haven't had one of those at work in a while but it it came to me in a big giant wave and I just couldn't stop it and I felt defeated and I was in a dark place 
and I was like, it. I only felt this once this year. I can't imagine people living weeks and months and years feeling yeah. this very same way. And um, and mine, you know, by the time I went to sleep, I was feeling a lot better. And the, the next day, I woke up really well. But um, yeah, just that like eight hour time limit in my life it was just really uh, I don't know how you guys do it I I don't know I mean like my god it's something that people can't wrap their head around and and when I actually did feel it it was just like a wave of overwhelming emotion and just distraught and just I felt defeated but man uh, yeah, definitely get help if it happens to you because it's it can be very overwhelming and powerful and it could really bring you to your knees. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, what time is it, Kristen? <laughs> <laughs> I feel we need a drink after that <laughs> emotional upheaval. Well, es la hora de la cervecita <laughs> and today we are um drinking a north coast brewing company old staple actually um i've heard of this beer talked about a lot on the craft um uh, facebook groups that i'm part of um a, a lot of people, uh, a lot of uh, brewery, what do you say, craft brew stores, um, pour one out for uh, Torrance Beer Cellar, um, have it. Um, but it is Old Rasputin, a Russian imperial stout, like I said, uh, brewed by North Coast Brewing Company, which looks like it is actually here in California, Fort Bragg, California. Interesting. Wow. I didn't know that. Um, it is a 9.0 ABV. Uh, you can find more information at northcoastbrewing.com. And the bottle shares that it is brewed in the tradition of the 18th century English brewers who supplied the Russian court of Catherine the Great. And actually, that was information that I was going to share when I was looking up what is an imperial stout. I mean, a Russian imperial stout. And basically, uh, in, a Russian imperial stout is just another name for imperial stout. But that's exactly what Wikipedia said, that it is a strong, dark beer in the style that was brewed in the 18th century by Thrales Anchor Brewery in London, who exported it to the court of Catherine II of Russia. In 1781, the brewery changed hands and the beer became known as Barclay Perkins Imperial Brown Stout. And then they shipped to Russia. Um, and let's see, it was shipped to Russia by Albert von Lecoq. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. <laughs> That's Cock. his name now. It's C-O-Q. I'm going to go with Lecoq. <laughs> oh, my God. I want to marry somebody whose last name is Lecoq. Von Lecoq at that. <laughs> anyway, he was awarded a Russian royal warrant, which entitled him to use the name Imperial. So um, these recipes hail from back so far 1700s 1800s and um that's a lot of freaking history in um a beer which uh the ipa history is also interesting 
Um, I can't remember off the top of my head exactly, but it's the, the alcohol volume and the way the IPAs are brewed um, were brewed that way because they had to make the long transport through India to troops who were on the front lines and who wanted beer and they had to brew the beer in a way that the alcohol and everything would sustain over this long period of time. And that's where um, IPA comes from. So I find it super interesting and um, even more so that people from the beginning of time have been finding ways to drink away their problems. I love that. Um, there's a little label at the at the like um, the neck of the bottle, and it says, "Old Rasputin develops a cult-like following wherever it goes. It's rich, intense brew with big, complex flavors and a warming finish." So I'm ready to taste this. And I'm ready. I got the fan on, so I can get warm and fuzzy inside. <laughs> wow, that right. is. Oh God, that's smooth. I love it. Let me open mine. What do you I, think? It smells great. It's in a bottle. So mm -hmm. I had to get my bottle opener. My little cyanide and happiness bottle opener. <laughs> <laughs> Cute. Okay. It smells stouty. <laughs> I smell coffee, notes of chocolate, maybe a little yeah. cinnamon. Mm -hmm. oh my gosh not much carbonation pretty smooth i mm -hmm. actually really like it right i really like it it's got I like a strong it. taste i like it because it's not like stouts to me sometimes are very thick mm -hmm. if that mm -hmm. makes sense and no this, it makes sense yes this has the consistency of oh ipa or a wheat or something that is not a stout right <laughs> and i and i like that yeah so it's not really as creamy or as yes as you said yes uh, this is a little a uh, way lighter in in and it has low carbonation and it's smooth. It's, it goes down really smooth. I really like that. And it looks to me that it doesn't matter if it has a little bit room temperature added to it. Like it doesn't need to be like super cold. It maintains its flavors. There is a bit of a tart aftertaste, but I think that's kind of the chocolate. Uh, but I'm, I'm really liking it. And, and the good... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I would say the good thing about this one is that often we are trying beers that are like uh, special releases or here from breweries that are in our local area. But I know for a fact I've seen um, Old Rasputin uh, in lots of places and have heard people talking about it, I think nationwide. So um, hopefully that means that you can, wherever you're listening from, can go to your local BevMo or Total Wine or whatever and find it. Yes, I got this one at the Torrance Beer Cellar, which is now closed. Um, but I have yeah. seen it, it um, at uh, uh, Whole Foods. I saw it there. Oh, okay. Uh, I've seen it at uh, 310. I, have, I haven't been to 310 in a while. They're still reconstructing. Yeah, they the look so crash. uninviting with that big wall outside. <laughs> I know, right? Even though it says, yes, we're open. Yeah, right, mm -hmm. right. Um, um, and I think that's 
uh, off the top of my head, that's where I've seen it. Mm-hmm. And I know I have seen it at some like shopping, like uh, like some. I don't. I wouldn't say Ralph's, but it, it maybe yeah. maybe maybe you can find it at Food for Less. I'm not sure, but it's it's definitely out there. I think mm-hmm. it, it has one of the possibilities of finding it uh it, it, it'd be a lot easier it it's uh more commercialized yes yeah and i bet you if you go to their website again it's northcoastbrewing.com they will have a uh, beer finder where you can put in your uh zip code and they can tell you where they distribute to in your area that's good I could drink, um, I think I could drink four of these <laughs> in, in like one sitting. You're going to stop at four? <laughs> yes, because you know what? I, I, although I ate, I do feel it a little bit, like a little bit of, a, I have a little buzz going on. And I've only taken like four sips. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> well, it is a nine. Like, I mean, you get your bang for your buck here with this one, actually. Yeah, especially if you haven't eaten anything like I have. You better go get that Taco Bell from the, from, <laughs> from the refrigerator. Oh, my God. I would get my Crunchwrap Supreme, yeah. I should. <laughs> but it is, it is settling very... There is a very, uh, like, a bitter aftertaste, like... Like the better aftertaste from um, uh, like you get from semi sweet chocolate, um, mm, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. or like cacao nibs and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's like it's not bad if you're used to it. Um, uh, it's not unappealing. I kind of I'm okay with it. <coughs> Sorry, my cat is in my face. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but it's it is it's very smooth. I really like the taste. Uh, it's it was a very I know how, I guess I haven't had a stout in a long time because the taste took me by surprise. And so I was just like, I was like, oh yeah, this is how, this, I, I remember that this is how stouts taste like. Um, um, but it's it's really good and I like the flavors and uh, it does have a very warm finish in my stomach. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I agree with Jen. I love that little after bitterness and yes, it's it, it may be from the chocolate. Um, and it, it just really goes down smooth. Like Chris has said, it's not thick and creamy. It's just smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really enjoying this. What about you, Kristen? What do you say? I really like it a lot. I think everyone knows by now that I am not a stout or porter fan. I, I don't like the mouthfeel of them. They do tend to be thicker and cream, creamy, definitely. Like even saying it in relation to being in my mouth is giving me Osco right now. <laughs> but oh, Kristen hating creamy stuff in her mouth. <laughs> SMH. This is um, has definitely more of the mouthfeel of a an ale or a, uh, a some kind of like uh, lighter beer, and so. And all the tastes are good. Again, um, blasphemer here. I don't like coffee. This, I can, I, it's not an overwhelming coffee taste to me, although I can sense a hint of it there. But I could actually see myself buying this. I don't know how they come, four packs, six packs, for Eddie and I, because he loves stouts and porters. And so, and we would be able to share because generally we have to buy two different kinds of beers all the time because <laughs> he, de- <laughs> he despises IPAs. So, oh. um, so I, I am surprised 
And if you also are more of an IPA drinker, I do think that you generally will enjoy this uh, Russian Imperial Stout. Oh, totally agreed. Yeah, definitely. So are we ready to actually rate it? Yes. And for our listeners uh, who may not remember, we rate our beers on a five-point scale where one is flaccid, two is initial, three is partial, a four is full, and a five out of five is rigid. And if we really love a beer, we can give it a six out of five, and that is a super saiyan. Honestly, I mean, listeners, you can tell based on the words I just used (laughs) that the uh, model, we shall say, that we are using for this rating scale is part of the human anatomy, the male human (laughs) anatomy. What is a super saiyan when it comes to that? I mean, I guess actual uh, explosion, right? Yeah. (laughs) I I would say... I would say uh, (laughs) it's peak performance. (laughs) (laughs) I never thought about that today. Okay. (laughs) Yes, so that makes sense. There's one step beyond rigid. Okay, Um, so this is Kristen, and I am going to give it a full, I'm going to give it a four out of five. Yeah, this is Sarah, and I'm also going to give it a full. I really liked it. I like how this is shareable as well. It comes in four, in a four-pack. Okay. Um, and um, and that little, what is it, 9, 8%? 9%? 9. Is, it's packing a little punch. Like, I can feel it in the back of my eyes. Like, <laughs> like, like it's it's doing stuff to me. And and I can feel the warmth in the belly as well. So, I, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a full. What about you, Jen? Uh, I'm gonna give it a full as well, and is is this thing magnetized? Holy shit! <laughs> okay, um, distractions aside, it's it's really good. It's really tasty. It is definitely making me feel something right now. But that's also my own fault because I always don't eat before <laughs> doing this thing. Um, um, but it's really good. So I concur with you guys, and I'm gonna give it a full as well. All right, guys, now it's time for Chisme de la Semana. And I've got some Chisme for you. It turns out uh, Tim Burton is going to make a uh, dic- uh, debut. Dic- dic- oh, my God, Direct <laughs> <laughs> It's a dic- directorial. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my God, that was so difficult. In my head, I can hear it, and I couldn't say it. But um, his, his debut. <laughs> Uh, as a TV director, he's going to um, direct the live-action Netflix series. Uh, it's going to be a spinoff of the Adams Family, and it's going to be focused on Wednesday. And Wednesday is going to be played by Jenna Ortega, and she has been known to play young Jane in the uh, Jane the Virgin series. Oh, yeah. oh that's yeah. a series I've never finished. I need to go oh, back you, and finish. you got to go back. It was so good. Yeah. Uh, I just recently rewatched it, so yes. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be exciting. There actually, it's uh, the plot is kind of a little bit. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Um, it's supernaturally infused. Uh, Wednesday, Adam uh, is. They're gonna focus on her years uh, as a student at the Nevermore Academy. 
uh, uh, where she attempts to master the, uh, her emergency psychic ability uh, and, and toward a monster killing spree um, that has ter terrorized the local town and solved supernatural mysteries. Um, it feels like... It feels like Sabrina. Exactly. Exactly <laughs> that. It feels like okay. So she's saving the town. I don't think that's something Wednesday Adams would do. I no, think she Wednesday wouldn't Adams give a join... fuck. <laughs> no, I feel like Wednesday Adams would join legions with the monsters and yeah. take the town to her domain. And I, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. I know, but it is Tim Burton, so I love his stuff. And he's all about that generic feel, so I don't know. I don't know how this is gonna go. So I'm kind of excited. I'm kind of mm -hmm. excited, and also uh, the lead of Wednesday is gonna go to a Latina, um, a Latina actress. So that excites me as well. Uh, but again, when I read the synopsis of the series, it did remind me a lot of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah. So, um, well, you know what? I'm excited. I'm good. It's. It, like I said, it's uh, achievement for me, so I'm sharing it along. Maybe it's going to be an amazing series, maybe not, but I'll give it a chance. I'll give it a I'll definitely give it a chance. But yeah, that's same. not the, that's not the only achievement, Kristen. What achievement do you have for us today? Yes, it actually so happens that my achievement is also Netflix related. Uh, Netflix actually, in case you do not know, has a first look deal with Dark Horse. Um, and they are going to be um, uh, putting out one of my most favoritest uh, comic series ever, um, which is Lady Killer. Um, they Ooh. are going to be taking this uh, adaptation of Lady Killer and making it a live motion uh, series. And Blake Lively is going to actually star as Josie Schuler, who is the main person, which if you have not read Lady Killer, it is written and drawn by Joelle Jones. She's freaking so talented when it comes to uh, her art and her she's very stylized if you see a Joelle Jones art piece you know you're looking at a Joelle Jones art piece mm -hmm. and um, she both writes it and draws it and uh, it is about uh, Josie Schuler, who is a quintessential 1950s housewife she has the kids, she has the husband, she stays at home in her nice little pretty dress all made up as she's dusting and cleaning and cooking dinner. But unbeknownst to her husband, um, she is a hired killer. And <laughs> this book is so freaking good. I loved it so much. It was a limited series um, and I think it was only six issues. Um, but one of the other things that is really interesting about this particular um, this particular uh, Netflix series is that it is going to be, uh, the adaptation is going to be written by Diablo Cody. Uh, so that is uh, super cool. She, um, she, Diablo wrote Juno, right? I believe so, yeah. yeah. So, um, and then if you have not 
uh, heard a little bit more cheesement. They are also taking the Dark Horse title Mystery Girl, and they are adapting that uh, for a Netflix show. Uh, and that one is going to be starring Tiffany Haddish, which if you Ooh, do I not know that, she is a huge comic book fan. She shares that very often in her um, in her interviews. So, uh, and Mystery Girl, I read some of it. Um, she, she is a, I, I want to say she is a like private investigator and there is like some kind of, I, I think her, her boyfriend or her husband is murdered and she's trying to figure it out, but it turns out that she, there's some sort of supernatural element to what's going on and what she's involved with. The book, what I've read of it so far, it's already over, but I, I never finished it because we kept selling out of it, was really interesting and I liked what I read. So um, I'm also going to be looking forward to that. So I, none of these are actually showing when they're going to be out um, because I think a lot of them probably were put on uh, hold during the pandemic. But mm -hmm. this cheese came out May 5th and I've just been holding on to it because um, I just had didn't. There was nowhere to stick it, but I finally wanted to share it because um, that's pretty cool. Those those two um, properties, which are female-led, and I can't remember who wrote Mystery Girl, uh, um, so Tobin. I don't know if that Paul, Paul Tobin. Tobin, so not yeah. a not a woman, but um, the fact that Joelle Jones uh, is a, a woman creator and that she's going to have one of her properties out there is super cool. So. That is my chisme de la semana this week. All right, guys, now it's time for our book review. And what are we reviewing today, Kristen? So today we are reading a book that actually came out in 2015. Like time flies, man, when you're looking at, at a comic series that... Um, are actually ongoing. This series still has single issues that are being released. So that's a pretty good darn run for yeah. this series. But um, we are in honor of um, Asian, Pacific. Asian Pacific. No, no, no. Asian, what is it? Asian Heritage, <laughs> Asian Pacific Islander Heritage Month. That's Thank right. <laughs> Yeah, yes, we have to we say it all We are reading Monstrous. And yes. Monstrous is um, a book written by Marjorie Liu and uh, drawn and colored by Santa Takeda. And it is so amazing. It is uh, an ongoing epic fantasy, it says. And um, I'll give you a quick summary. It's a series that is set in a matriarchal world inspired by early 20th century Asia and tells the story of Meka Halfwolf, a teenage girl who shares a mysterious psychic link with a powerful monster. The background to the story is a war between the Arcanics, magical creatures who sometimes can pass for human, and the Kumaea, an order of sorceresses who consume Arcanics to fuel their power. Meka is an Arcanic who looks human and who is set on learning about and avenging her dead mother. Meka's left arm has been severed and a demon occasionally emerges from its stub. The demon who takes over her body and mind is a source of great power, but challenging for Meka to understand and control. So that is a 
little brief synopsis. Um, I read this book uh, and was reading this book on an ongoing basis when it was first coming out and um, have actually uh, discussed this book in other uh, discussion groups. And I have to tell you, this is probably like the third or fourth time that I've read volume one. And there's still things that I'm learning and seeing for the first time because this first volume is so dense and complicated and full of so much information. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> I was just telling Kristen how I had to take a break between readings and took a nap, actually, because <laughs> it was so intense. There's a lot of world building. And and I was just telling Kristen, like, I don't know how the how where do these writers muster such talent to like build worlds? And when I'm talking about building worlds, it's like you're building a, uh, a species of, of living creatures on this world. You are making towns, you are making patriarchies, you are making governments, you're making magic rule. I mean, you're just compounding story upon story upon story. And this was just so full of that. Um, I am really just grateful for the uh, um, the dialogue bubbles and the the dialogue bubbles and then the inner monologue and then the demon dialogue within you that's speaking <laughs> to you. Like there's so many levels of conversation going on in this book that it you really have to pay attention to. But if you like give it a chance, it's so it's so worth it. Just alone, the art alone is so intricate and so like detailed. And I mean, there are some shadows upon shadows and it's what you're seeing on the cover art is what you see inside the book. And it's just so breathtaking. I can't think of another word. I mean, even the costumes are the detail on the capes and it's just really amazing what do you say Jen uh yeah it's the the book has won multiple Eisner awards first as like best new series and then best ongoing series for its artwork for its writing the book is very rich with a lot of uh Japanese mythology as well as other uh East Asian mythology as well. Like you've got Kitsune, you've got Oni, you Oni, you've got like some form of Tengu. Uh, it's and it's it's very it's it's very detailed artwork. It's very beautiful. Um, um, and I, like with Kristen, I've actually read the series before. I remember when it first came out and how it was very hyped up as well. Like a lot of people came in and it sold out a lot. It got like, I think like three or four, three, third or fourth printings as well. But the book, um, yeah, like this isn't the first time I've read this book and even reading it again, like it's it's been a while since I last read it. I kind of fell off because they took a hiatus for like about a year or so. I remember because I believe Sana Takeda got sick uh, and she and she just wasn't able to draw. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, this this was a while ago. Um, uh, but like, yeah, like it's been five years since this series came out. I'm just like, damn, that's like, and uh, but I remember it, and even reading it, rereading it again, I was I was still taken by surprise, and I actually forgot how that sixth issue was. Mm -hmm. until I reread it again and I was just like oh shit I, like, <laughs> I forgot this like I completely and utterly forgot it um uh, so I'm very excited to 
read uh the other volumes in this series because I just I forgot just how good it was and it's was, really really good I was saying the same thing I actually have maybe read a couple of single issues past this sixth issue that was in the six issues that was in this first trade um but so I know a little bit but um there's six trades out right now and like I said it's still ongoing and there's um, an issue that has been coming out. It was like a little side story of a, a tie-in called Monsters Stories, I think. Monster Stories or something like that. Um, the, what I'm assuming is happening in the same world that might not necessarily be with Meka because who knows? I don't even know what happened to her uh, in this story. But um, I am also interested in reading and continuing and finding out what's going on. And I was telling... <laughs> I was telling Sarah earlier that I share the story all the time of how when we, when the Valkyries was still uh, in business, not in business, but when they were still formed, the, the Valkyries were a group of um, uh, female, uh, women retailers uh, who worked in the comic book industry, who uh, helped each other and supported each other online. And we would meet um, every year at San Diego Comic-Con and have breakfast. And one year, both Marjorie Lou and Santa Takeda came and had breakfast with us. And they were so nice and amazing. And just Santa was just, uh, I, and this is how I shared it, was like such a nice little old lady. With, she had little, she had gray hair and she was so quiet. And she, oh my God, you guys, I just looked up how old she was. She's 43 years old. She was born in 1970. <laughs> She's younger than me. <laughs> you what know, I had oh, in my mind? I don't know why I had in my mind that she was a little old lady. Like in my mind, that's how I saw her. And I was just telling Sarah, like back in the day, this was like within the last like 10 years, it was, it was the it thing to dye her hair gray. So maybe that's just all she did is she dyed her hair gray. And I thought she was a little old lady. <laughs> That makes perfect sense, though. I, I completely agree. I've been spreading the rumor that Santa Takeda is like in her 60s for like the longest time. <laughs> Meanwhile, she is our age. <laughs> younger than me. So anyways, <laughs> I'm here to set the record straight today. <laughs> Good for you. Come clean. <laughs> you know what I found really interesting because uh, sometimes I'm the one who never reads like uh, the front matter or the back matter. I'm just that person. But so I've been trying to change. So for Monstrous, I decided to read each and every page. So one thing that was really interesting to me is like at the, the first page where they have their dedications, uh, Marjorie's dedication is in Espanol. Para Junot mi lobo, este libro no existiría sin ti. And by God, I want to know why. Yeah. Why is it in Spanish? Like, why? <laughs> That's awesome. I th I'm thinking that... Uh, Junot is somebody who only speaks Spanish. Uh -huh. I'm not sure. But another little Easter egg was that Tuya, um, Micah's best friend since childhood, who she spent like as a slave and hungry and pleading for food. Um, uh, uh, Tuya or Tuya speaks Spanish. And we only get a glimpse of it like in this, this little tiny conversation um, where she says like two or three words in Spanish and it, they weren't um, 
translated. It was just given it to mm -hmm. us like straight Spanish. And I thought, wait, did I read that right? Is that in Spanish? So I read, I reread it three times <laughs> because I'm just like, nah, this can't be, you know, it can't be because is, isn't Marjorie like, uh, what is it? She Japanese? Or? I believe so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so then, um, I was so like, who not is her partner? Uh, and he's Dominican. He's Dominican American. Oh, oh nice. that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. They have, um, oh, <laughs> feels amazing. I love it. Oh my God, guys. I just, I had a moment. So, yeah. um, wow. That's amazing. That's really beautiful. That is even more beautiful than I thought now, because obviously she took inspiration from her relationship to put in this book that is obviously from like a magical place, you know, and I, and, and <clears throat> even though her best friend in the story kind of disappears for a while, she, it comes back around. So she's definitely, I think, going to lead a lot of the second, uh, second trade paperback, the second volume. Um, and I, 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 off, I wondered, and that must explain that, that really kind of like connected uh, monologue she had. So like, well, Micah was like going through this whole ordeal where she's trying to find herself and her memories and avenge her mom and all of this. She's having this conversation, um, almost like she's writing a journal to her fa uh, her best friend, uh, Tuya. And Tuya in Spanish means yours. So I think there's a lot of Easter eggs there as well. Like they're like the way she talks to her friend in her in her inner monologue is like so beautiful. And at times I was like, I think Tuya is her anchor, even though she's becoming this demon and having to struggle with these inner conversations with this demon that she feels she's the only one who can hear. So, I mean, I don't know, you guys take it away with the story. Well, I think that that's the perfect way that the creator maybe wants you to think because I also think that Thuya is going to backstab her. I, you know, I feel it, but I didn't <laughs> I want mean, to say with it. with that revelation on the sixth issue, yeah. I, that's, that's all that we can, that, I mean, that's most of what we can imagine, especially like, cause it was like, I forgot how big it was. Like, seriously, like, like I completely forgot. And then I like, all I could remember was that I just really liked Monstrous and I liked the, like the myth and stuff like that. It was like, and it was really good. But like, Duya is definitely a very important character. And right now she kind of has, she kind of has like a double alias. And mm -hmm. I won't get, I won't get too much into it. But I also think she does generally care for Micah. Yeah. Or else she wouldn't have stuck with her for so long. I mean, they grew they grew up together in a very uh, in, I guess in a slave camp. So it's uh like to give more into the story. So uh besides the synopsis that uh Kristen said, so Micah Micah had been uh in a slave camp because the Ar the Arcana P the the Archaics? Arcana or Archaics? Arcanic. Uh -huh. arcanic the arcanic people uh and the humans got into this huge war and uh and the kuome the witches they use uh arcane arcanic people to like you know feel their magic and stuff like that um so they and i guess they usually like harvest it from children because like i guess the bigger arcanic people can put up more of a fight uh -huh. so 
it's um, um it's the 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 book has a lot of heavy topics and a lot of kind of like blood slash gore. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I like I said, the world building is quite incredible, and then there's a there's a, a lot of other things, other factors that you have to factor in. Like there's this this serum or this kind of juice <laughs> magic glow potion that is created by sacrificing the arcanics mm -hmm. um it's but it has to be done in such a way that only these witch witches can do um and so but but then there's these sub laws where they say you can't have this much of the potion in your possession so that go uh, there there's a lot there's a there's a lot going on i mean uh just uh I, I mean, I, it's so heavy and dense. It's hard for me to like really like put it out there. Like Jen was doing a really great job of it. Yeah, it's it's very lore heavy, um, uh, and but it's still like really entertaining, really engaging, uh, and you get it's it's a very uh, magical uh, fantasy kind of world. Um, but I I highly highly recommend it. Like it's. It's there's a lot to explain that I can't without like spoiling stuff, but the book is if you like heavy fantasy, if you like kind of like Games of Thrones stuff and all that, this book is definitely one that you should pick up because it's it's very lore heavy, it's very fantasy heavy, it's very mythological heavy. So I 100% recommend it. And the women are in charge of everything. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. that's that's actually right. Um, it, there's a part where. Uh, we have, fortunately, we have uh, Professor Tam Tam mm -hmm. between some of the issues to explain a little bit about the worlds and what happened in the history of it in order for us to actually uh, uh, understand what's happening in real time. So one of the pages he was, uh, he was introducing it to the races of the known world and there's humans, there's cats cats are a whole race in this book guys mm -hmm. that that was amazing um the ancients which are kind of like animal kind of uh, a race of, of of entities but they also in the past have fallen in love or you know had offspring with humans and then there's the old gods who they don't know very much about because that's so old it's the old gods and they're not necessarily good and then you have the Arcanics, uh, the half-breeds, which are the ones that are both human and part of ancients. And there's a lot of lore about what blood that you have inside you that gives you maybe even some kind of extra protection or extra power um, against certain things. So, I mean, this is a really heavy, heavy, heavy book, uh, but it's super entertaining and the artwork is just amazing it's it's so detail oriented it's so beautiful it's dramatic it's it's and it almost looks like art deco slash steampunk i don't yeah. know if you can steampunk for sure yeah and yeah, art deco with the sure. lines the lines and the backgrounds and the decorations i think that's really uh art deco uh but yeah anyway so definitely pick this up i mean if you know if you uh, this is definitely maybe something you shouldn't pick up on your first comic book trade paperback 
but if you like comics and you want a really great uh, story that you can really sink your teeth into, I think this one is it. This one's definitely it. Yeah, I was telling Sarah earlier that in our discussion group, there was a general uh, consensus that this is not a starter trade paperback, um, only because it is so, it relies so heavily on world building and there's so many different conversations going on and there are inherent rules in comic book writing and reading that if you're not fully aware of them or used to them, you could get easily lost in trying to figure out who is talking in this book and what the heck is going on. So, um, but at the same time, I, I read it three times and I still was learning new things and um, being introduced to things that either I had forgotten or that I wasn't even aware of to begin with. So I recommend that you read it regardless because um, it is that good. So, um, and there's definitely a lot of things that I wanna talk about that are kind of spoilers. I really wanna know about the monster, um, who he or she is um, and um, you get the sense based on what they've said that they had that monster has been passed down from generations within Mepha's family and it wasn't until the monster was in Mepha that there was just something about her that awakened it. And so um, I find that very fascinating and interesting. And um, also the monster is telling Meka that she is not quote unquote on her game, that she has been in the presence of two uh, old, uh, what are they called? The old what? I wanna say old ancients. guards, but not old agents. Old, old gods, old, <laughs> old gods. gods, yes. Yeah. Um, and not known it. And we knew it was that one dude with the wings, but it leaves it open to who the other person is. And I have money on who I think it is. I think it's Ren. I, I, I think it's Tuya. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's Tuya. <laughs> Especially since we get uh, a hint of Tuya's status. Yeah. Thanks to the winged god, so yeah. or like the wing, the winged person. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think they're ancients. I think they're just like really like direct descendants of the ancients. So they're just really strong, um, um, arconics, mm -hmm. like uh, like that's their thing. But I also want to know, uh, or and I think we get a glimpse into who the sword of the east is from from the dawn court as well and that she's in some way related to micah as well and even the monster said that if micah were to die that he could just shift over to somebody else and i mm -hmm. think that person is whoever the person uh, is the sword of the east is interesting well i was really interested uh that the liquid that they harvest from um the half-breeds the lilium, the lilium, that she was able to be immune to the ilium, yeah. ilium, li, uh, lilium sword. So there's something to be said about what blood she carries. And, and she why. also wasn't affected when she held the mask. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 
Uh, I mean, we could have a whole different podcast just, <laughs> just reviewing this book, just going over everything in this book. But um, needless to say, people out there in audience land uh, definitely pick this book up. It's really amazing. Uh, there are so many levels to the storytelling in this that, you know, you know, when you see a movie and you see like a person in a room with post-its all on their walls or notes all over, <laughs> over I, feel, I feel that this is how Marjorie Lou had a room just full of like <laughs> maps and drawings and post-it notes and you know dry erase boards and stuff like because it's so detailed so minusculely detailed that even flipping through it right now I found something else that I kind of overlooked reading it so I'm going to go back and read it. But um, <laughs> but yeah, are we ready to actually rate the book? Yes. Yes. Uh, go ahead, Jen, you go first. Uh, I'm going to give it three conchas. And I really, I rarely give uh, volume one three conchas. But this one 100% is worth it because it's really good. It has everything that I like about, you know, just in general, like idea concepts. It's rich in lore. It's beautiful in artwork. It's heavy in mythology and kind of like semi like religious tones and stuff like that. So basically it was made to appeal to me. So three conchas, definitely. <laughs> uh, I'll go next. This is Kristen. I'm also going to give it uh, three conchas. I have loved this book from the beginning. Um, the fact that it is a two woman operation and it is such a beautifully written and drawn book just elevates it even more for me. Um, I have loved the just the look of it since I first saw it. And like I said, the story itself is just so engaging and you learn uh, more and more uh, <laughs> every time you read it. So you get your, your money's worth because uh, it's almost like uh, a whole nother story when you read it over and over again. So I give it three conchas. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to give it tres conchas and a cup of champurrado because, um, wow, it's just, uh, God, the art really definitely appeals to me. I really, really love it. I love the lines. I love the straight, I love like the boxed kind of uh, design, like geometric stuff of Art Deco. Plus you got a lot of steam uh, punk qualities. And then you have the beautiful kind of like um, Japanese kind of uh, movement in the characters. Um, I don't know how to explain that, but yes, I, if you guys are out there and you understand, you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. um, the colors are amazing. There's like metallics and browns and dark reds and uh, uh like dark blues like it's it's really like the colors was were just amazing they were really a beautiful a beautifully affording this story and just the story itself where i have to actually write down notes in order to kind of keep my character straight um and then i have to reread um certain dialogue bubbles or monologue and to understand it better, I just, I love that. I love uh, where they challenge the, the reader um, and not, and, and it doesn't, they don't talk down to the reader at all. They're like, I'm gonna hold you to this standard and we're gonna go with this and let's run with it. Um, obviously this duo is, is super talented. I'm gonna give it again, tres conchas and a cup of champurrado. So that has been our rating on Monstrous. All right, guys, it's now time for On My Radar. And On My Radar today is, I know I slept on this, guys. I really did. 
Titans is on HBO Max. And (laughs) I actually just finished the second season and the third season is going to come out, I think in July 15th or 17th or anything. I'll, I'll check on that. I'm not going to check on it now because the Rasputin has really just hit me, but (laughs) um, yeah, Titans, Mm. (laughs) right? Titans season one and two. It is so good. I what. Look, man, when I started watching the first episode, I was like, they use this guy as Dick Grayson? Ugh, whatever. But he really fucking grows on you. And the story and the acting, oh my God, it's so good. I can't say enough. And I can't believe that more people aren't talking about it because it is amazing. And on the heels of that, uh, I just saw that Doom Patrol has two, uh, two seasons as well. So I started watching season one. And I'm already liking it. The narration is wonderful. It's so, it's, you know, it reminds me of a little bit of um, that one, God, what is his name? Uh, God, it, oh God, uh, Audrey, Audrey uh, damn, I can't remember. But it was that one that was so weird that, Kristen, you said that you couldn't step away from your couch because you'd miss a lot of stuff. To, uh, anyway, um, I'll come back to that. <laughs> um, I know um, Chris. I'm sorry, go ahead. From a TV show? Yes. Uh, like like uh, the uh, Magneto Sun book, a TV show? What's his name? What's it called? I, I want to say it starts with an E, but I can't remember. No, what's Magneto Sun's name, Jen? Oh. <laughs> uh, um, Why can't I can picture... Silver? No, I, no, no, no. I can not Magneto. Sorry, Professor X. Oh, um, Legion. 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 Yes. yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I know I was gonna like, how do I look this up? Anyway, uh, Doom Patrol is a little bit similar to Legion, but not as crazy. So check that out. It's really good. I love the narrator. The narrator's the bad guy, which I don't know if you can wrap your head around that, but it's really good. Um, anyway. Kristen, you have some on my radar. Forget about Titans. This is the <laughs> the comic book TV show that you need to be watching. <laughs> Hulu's Modoc. <laughs> oh my god, dude! I saw the trailer and I was like, "Oh my god, this shit is gonna be fucking awesome." It is so good. Okay, so basically, the premise behind the, it kind of looks like. Stop animation. It it looks like the animation that like like was made out of clay figures. <laughs> but regardless, the premise of this uh, TV show is uh, what does Modok do after he goes home from a long hard day of trying to run AIM? And he's married. He has two kids. Um, and. It is so freaking funny. Patton Oswalt is the voice of Modoc, and um, his wife is just like done with him. She's like, <laughs> "You don't pay attention to me. You're like out, you know, doing your evil things." And his daughter, who actually looks like him, is like floating around a little chair, super <laughs> popular at school, and is like very like a prissy teenager. And then his son is in the middle of trying to plan the 
best bar mitzvah ever. He he wants the best bar mitzvah ever. And it is just so funny. And for Marvel fans, there's little Easter eggs in there where they uh, just refer to certain things or um, like there is a fight between um, Iron Man and MODOK at some point in the first or second episode. And it's just so funny. Um, and uh, I think second episode is where um, his wife, Modoc's wife, tells him she wants a separation. She wants a divorce. So he tries to woo her back by taking her back in time to a third eye blind concert that they missed when it actually happened. Now you guys all, well, I don't know if you oh all know, God. but you two know I'm a huge third eye blind fan. And, wait, third eye blind fan and they played the music throughout the whole episode and i was hooked so it's animated oh it's funny af i and i love modok to begin with like in the comics he's just so like he he's so mm. matter of fact and and like just to the point where it's like silly yeah. um and for those of you who don't uh know modok stands for um, mechanism, mental organism designed only for killing. And um, apparently he was a human at some point. And then um, I don't know who turned him into what he is now. And then he turned into a villain. But those of you who are Marvel aficionados probably know that information. And Eddie told me the other day and I forgot. But um, it's good. I cannot recommend it enough. It's on Hulu right now. Um, it just premiered on May 21st. So I believe all the episodes are streaming and you can um, watch it to your little heart's desire. Oh, I'm definitely watching that. It sounds super fun. And Third Eye Blind during the whole episode, I'm in. <laughs> I'm super in. Dude, that's freaking awesome. And I think that's like a throwback to like, old fans you know like 30s 40s kind yeah. of people so i like how they make it for the young audience and the old audience alike so that's awesome all right guys it's time for juntos y fuertes Kristen, what do you have for us today so today i have for us um, a website that you should go to and check out what they have. It is called Creatively Queer Press, and they are an indie publishing house made by and for LGBTQ plus and BIPOC communities. BIPOC. I they love, love that. that. Word. <laughs> <laughs> um, they are passionate about telling the stories that they haven't found in mainstream entertainment. Their mission is to curate and create the stories which represent their diverse experiences with accuracy and empathy. They are there to provide a high quality platform for, um, the, for voices to be heard. So you can uh, check them out at creativelyqueerpress.com. And it was founded by Luis Silva, um, who says that he, uh, they've loved stories that reflected his life as a queer person of color in America, but became disappointed to find that such stories were very rare. Um, and another founder is Andres Bravo, who is a queer Latino trans man in love with the art of storytelling. Um, and he actually ran the Cuentos Kickstarter um, oh, for wow. that yeah, anthology yeah. series. 
Yeah, and then um, there uh, there is a digital illustrator and comic book author Joelle Blot, and she is are they she her they are an agender um, uh, creator. So those are the three founders of Creatively Queer Press, and you can find out all of their um, projects that they have and the different um, creators that they are supporting and the different uh, news that they are creating. And also you can buy a copy of Cuentos on the website as well as some other cool uh, things that they have for sale. That's so awesome. I actually backed that. I only got the English version, but um, now I know that on the website you can get the Spanish version as well. And now it's time for En La Libreria. Jen, what do you have for us today? Well, today I have something called A Howl, a comics collection of wolves, werewolves, and rougarou. So it's, yes, it's like, uh, rougarou is a term that is like a wolf creature or wolf hybrid thing. It it takes place mostly like in, um, um, like New Orleans area, like it's a Cajun mythology and stuff like that. Oh, nice. Interesting. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it is by Native Realties and a health, um, uh, it's, it's basically from unbridled werewolves to werewolves from outer space. These wow. unique karmics are gathered together for the mature reader. Your support Ooh. brings together writers and illustrators for a myriad of comics and splash art. I'm just reading from their from their campaign page right here. And they have like a nice splash art page by Maria Wolf Lopez, which funny. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's super detailed and it's like really, really cool. So the collection is edited by Elizabeth Lapince, who's, ed- who's co-editor of Dear Woman, an anthology of sovereign traces, Moonshot Volume 3 and editor of Sovereign Traces Volume 2 and features new comics by accomplished writers and illustrators who have a love of all things wolves, werewolves, and rougarou. We're kicking, they says they're kicking it off with a comic by experimental horror, crime, and science fiction writer Stephen Graham Jones, who wrote The Bird is Gone, A Manifesto, Demon Theory, and Mongrels, with illustrations by Weishoi Alvitre. Uh, Marvel's Voices, Dear Woman, Moonshot Volumes 2 and 3. So I believe this is all, this this is comics made all by indigenous people, That's which is awesome. really interesting. Okay, I just need to share with people right now that the Rougarou is a legendary creature in Laurentian French communities. Laurentian, Laurentian, linked to mm-hmm. traditional concepts of the werewolf. So just which another. Makes, which makes sense why it would be like yeah. a New Orleans kind of thing. Yeah. That's yeah, really let's, awesome. you know what it now that you meant the name is very French and I should have connected it to the French, but I'm kind of a little bit drunk right now. <laughs> um, um, but that's why I made the connection because I've only ever heard it in connection with New Orleans. And, I've like, never uh, heard that term before. Interesting. Uh, it's because it's I'm a mythology nerd. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's um, uh, it's you you get some example of art and a bit of like stories 
about it as well that they have featured but it looks really really cool and of course with a name like native royalties it's uh, i should have made the connection again that is made by indigenous peoples but it's it looks really cool and it's actually already met its funding goal of twelve thousand dollars and it's wow. currently at thirty-eight thousand nine hundred. oh my god <laughs> wow. it has 743 backers and the campaign the campaign ends on June 8th as well. So you still have time to back it. The base pledge starts off at $10. Um, no, wait, sorry. That's what I backed it at. Um, uh, no, um, uh, the base there, there you can pledge without an, a reward. That's like one of the base pledges. But then the next one is you can pledge for $10 or more. And you get a sticker and a digital copy of the anthology. And then you can pledge $30 or more and you get the sticker, the, the PDF, and a print copy of the book as well. And then the next tier up is at $45 with all the above mentioned ones, as well as a comic pack of all the other of other stuff that Native Realties has uh, has printed. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And then there's different, there's another $45 one where instead of getting comics, you get a signed print of splash art from one of the creators. And then at $55, you get a print copy of, of the, you get two copies of the, of the book, like one to keep for yourself or to give as a gift. Awesome. And then that it keeps cool. getting more expensive right there. But personally, I I backed it at ten dollars, but I'm probably gonna change that to thirty to thirty because I'm I kind of want the print copy of it. But it's pretty cheap. Like at ten dollars, you can get the PDF and you're good to go. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. All right, guys. Now it's time for saludos, and today estamos saludando a Heidi Ho Comics. Tuesday Night Live. <laughs> oh my God, guys. I have had so much fun with this. Um, if you guys want to see what is off on the shelves at Heidi Ho Comics, what new comic books are coming out, what a series have like a second printing, uh, what which ones are variant, have variant covers, which ones um, are so popular, they're flying off the shelves. You have to check out Heidi Ho Tuesday Night Live. And they actually have a live video that streams at what time? 6 p.m. on Tuesday. 6.30. 6.30 on at 6 30 pacific standard time uh heidi ho comics live video um so you have to like and or, or not subscribe but just like or follow heidi ho comics on facebook and then they stream live again tuesday at 6 30 and again they tell you what new printings of t- tr- uh, trade paperbacks are out there all this wonderful stuff um that you can find out um uh, for uh heidi ho comics and not only that, um, there's a lot of awesome stuff that they talk about on the show. Uh, so t- <laughs> tell us more about that, Kristen. Well, the books that we share uh, uniquely will not are not only going to be at Heidi Ho, but they'll be at your local comic shop as well. So we share um, every Wednesday new comic books come out and we share, uh, we pick three of our favorites, each myself and Eddie pick three. And then we go down the row of what is coming out that week, including variants, including um, special books of note um, and then a couple of trades. So 
even though we are physically at Heidi Ho Comics, if you are not close to Heidi Ho, you can go to any of your LCSs or even pick an online store somewhere and generally know that these books are going to be released on that next Wednesday. So yes, we try to... Um, we have a lot of interaction with the people watching. So that's my favorite part because I learn lots of stuff too from people who are watching. I can never think of the thing I want to say. And there's people who are right away, like not three seconds and they'll give me the answer. So um, it's a lot of fun for me as well. And I definitely encourage you all to watch again even if you are not close to Heidi Ho you can see these books and find these books at multiple places um, at either your local comic shop or online. Absolutely and that's one of the things I like about this because you guys are just sharing information on the comic books and the variant covers and you're showing the audience but they can easily order these uh, from their local comic book shop or actually call them and have them pull, uh, put on their pull list before uh, they they are for sale for everyone on Wednesday. So mm -hmm. that's always really helpful and uh, always support local comic book shops, lo local businesses, um, small businesses. So uh, that's who we are saludando today. So saludos to Tuesday Night Live with Kristen and Eddie at Hi Hooray! Yay! <laughs> that brings us to the end of our episode, ladies. Where can they find us? You can find us at www.comadesecomics.com. I was about to say, Heidi Ho Comics. <laughs> uh, comics.com. And that is where you can find all the information about how to reach us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, how to email us. Uh, you can uh, find all that information in one handy dandy spot and also where to listen to us. Uh, you can listen to us wherever you're listening to us now and most other uh, streaming platforms. Yes. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget, we have a Patreon going on as well. Uh, thank you for supporting us and for listening for us. That brings us to the end of our episode. We are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.